So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the only F1 podcast that loops underneath itself like a figure of eight. Famously hard in the early Formula One games to get that right. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that isn't on Snapchat. I tried to get us on Snapchat. I don't understand Snapchat. I don't get it at all. I think both of us are in our 30s. I think we're too old. I don't get it. Chica, you understand Snapchat. I don't think we could do Snapchat. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that won't be answering any more of your shitty questions. That might be slightly over-egging what Hamilton said, but I'm sure it was something along those lines. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that thinks Carlos Sainz doesn't need bunny ears to be adorable. But he looks so good in them. No. I'm Chikarez, and today, from the St George's Tavern in Victoria, we look back at the Japanese Grand Prix. Last weekend, we got up really early, sat on our sofas, and went to one of the most bendy tracks of the season, Suzuka, where 60% of the time, a driver is turning when going round. And in the past, we've seen some of the most dramatic races of all time, 11 title deciders and a lot of rain. This year, we had no rain, everyone finished, but they kept it exciting because people lost their shit over the blue flag. We will discuss this and more in today's For F1's Sake. With me is a man who has spent all of his life sanding his stairs. It's Terry Saunders. I can't believe you brought that up, Chica. I have been sanding my stairs forever, but I want to talk about something else I've been up to this week, and that is planning the next stage of our empire. I've been sourcing and designing some merchandise for, for Formula One's sake. For Formula One? I've got no joke there. I thought I had. There's not a joke, well, because <laughs> Christmas is coming, everyone. What's that? Is that an effect of Santa's jingle bells that Matt's put over on the, on the edit? Oh, it's nearly Christmas. Oh, what's that? Is that people complaining that it's Christmas too early? Well, it's a podcast. You can listen to this in January. I don't care. But we have decided for, from the goodness of our hearts, to sell you for money some T-shirts and things that we're making with our logo and stuff on. And why are we doing this, please, Phil? Well, uh, several reasons. One, because I thought 
uh, we can sell some t-shirts. People like t-shirts. I like t-shirts. I'm wearing one now. We're all. Why don't we have a t-shirt record, with we're funny all, stuff on? We're it? all wearing t-shirts. We are. Um, also, because to be slightly more accurate and maybe less slightly funny, it costs us money to do this, and it'd be nice to just get a little bit of it back, maybe just to pay for the beer or pay for my train fare into London every week. But mostly because we think it'd be cool and be nice to get our stuff out, so to speak. So just to round things up, Terry, what is the theme of our merchandise that we will be selling? Well, I thought, what really sums up for Formula One's sake? Over the last year or so that we've been doing this podcast, what's the one phrase that really brings itself to a T-shirt? Well, apparently that's too offensive to print on most websites that do no T-shirts. No way we can have that one. So instead, we've got the Stoffel Ruffle. Yes. Stoffel Van Dorn will be driving in 2017. He will be world champion in, wait for it, 2017. <laughs> and I believe that we are the first place offering Stoffel Van Dorn merchandise mixed with an internet acronym. Get it while it's hot. We're going to be telling you how you can buy these in the next episode. But in the meantime, get prepared. And alongside Terry is a motoring journalist who is more relaxed than he has ever been. It's Phil Tromans. This was actually true until earlier today. Uh, I've just come back from holiday. I had a lovely time in Tenerife. I had a beach holiday for the first time in God knows how long, because normally we go and look around cities, me and my wife. Uh, and I was super relaxed. And then I came back to Britain, and within the space of a day, I've become horribly stressed because of train strikes and fellow podcast presenters playing practical jokes where you're convinced that one of them is on the train to the wrong town. <laughs> that uh, was very funny. Yeah, no, I had, a, I had a lovely time. I climbed a volcano and sat by the pool. Did you do any driving, Phil? Did I do any driving? Well, the last time I went to Tenerife was for work. Uh, last November, I think it was, when I drove a load of new Porsches. This time, I had to get my own car, which was not quite so fun. But So I rented a Nissan Note, which was not Ooh, quite the same. That's what my, my sister-in-law has. Uh, I mean, they're actually quite good. I went on the launch of the original Note a few they're years ago, square. but this one... Very square, and this had sort of it was proper poverty spec rental car, like like you know sometimes you get no no I'm serious you know phrase. like some you know cars have alloy wheels poverty spec yeah is that what they say when you're in yes. the, the enterprise that's when dealership? you're in the, when you're in the biz when you're in the auto biz but as a customer if I the, go to Hertz rent a car no oh no they, they say to me you have the poverty spec <laughs> I mean to be honest I, I mean they probably I haven't got a driving license so. Well, for We're example, not going to get to that stage for, of the conversation. For example, you know certain cars have alloy wheels. You're this, familiar with the concept is, of alloy wheels. This is a good time to ask what an alloy wheel is. It's a, it's a wheel that's made of a metal and it looks quite nice and it'll have a nice design. Question? Yes. Aren't other <laughs> wheels made of metal? All right, we're going to have to go back to basics here. So, generally cars come with either alloy wheels, wheels. which is a more premium offering, or yep. they come with steel wheels, which are very functional, not very attractive, and they're normally covered rhyme, up with, though. But they're normally covered up with hubcaps. Yeah, I've seen those. like covers that will have a design on them, but they won't be part of the wheel. They're purely cosmetic. This car didn't even come with the with the hubcaps. Just literally steel wheels. Like a Formula One car? No. Formula, Formula One, one cars car. have alloy wheels. Do and, they? Oh, they're very, very expensive, very high-tech, exceedingly very... light alloy wheels. I've lifted one up, and you can literally lift one up with one finger. They're ridiculous. So let's move on to your questions in Listener's Corner. So once again, the email bag has been bursting at the seams with one email. Well, actually, it was two, but one was about the sound quality, so we won't talk about what that one. What fucker said yeah, that? <laughs> exactly. But this one is from Alan David, and he said, I was listening to the increasingly awful and dull Radio 5 live checkered flag podcast. <gasps> and they were talking about Hamilton's lost 25 points at Malaysia. 
I was starting to try and work out what the championship table would look like if Hamilton had comparable reliability to Rosberg all season, but gave up because maths. I don't suppose you fancy working it out. Well, before Phil does his serious answer, I'll say that the championship table would look like this. It would be a series of names on the left and then some numbers on the right corresponding to the amount of points that each person's got. That joke was brought to you by your dad. <laughs> wow. Um, hello, Anne. First of all, I'm going to define thin slightly the Radio 5 Live podcast because I think it's actually quite good and they actually know what they're talking about. But it's not no, as good as they our just happen to be there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean if we were thing. there, what would happen? Well, we wouldn't be there for long. That's what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bernie would personally throw us out. Anyway, to answer your question, what would the championship table look like if Hamilton had had comparable reliability Rosberg all season? I thought, that's an intriguing question. I wonder what it would look like. So, I went back through the archives. Uh, we have a tremendous archive facility here at FF1S uh, called Wikipedia. And I, st- I went through every race. And I basically, wherever there was a, an issue with Mercedes reliability, whoever it affected, whether it was Rosberg or Hamilton, I used my incredible intuition and expertise to determine what probably would have happened if that hadn't have happened. Question? Yes. Did you include qualifying and practice sessions? Yes, qualifying, practice, oh. everything. Wherever there was a weekend where one of the drivers was affected by reliability, I tried to factor in what would happen based on the actual result taking out the problems of the engines. This, so, this sounds good, yeah. What a great holiday you had. You got bored on holiday, didn't you? So, uh, it sounds good now. Let's see how many races we get through before you get bored of it. So, oh, God. Ha- Australia. <laughs> Hamilton had a bad start from pole, could only get back to second. Rosberg won from second. Hamilton messed up, legit Ros win. Bahrain, uh, Hamilton was unlucky, got hit by Bottas, but it wasn't a reliability thing, so legit Ros- Rosberg win. China, Hamilton had tech problems in practice. So you're thinking of going to go this year, Chico? <laughs> I put all this effort in you, fuckers. Um, these are the answers. These are the answers. I want the, the summation. 30 seconds. The conclusion. The abstract. Bastard, I've done 900 words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine, you shitbags. Basically, yeah. If Hamilton hadn't had reliability problems, uh, he would now have 352 points to Rosberg's 287. That's shocking. What's more shocking is that you didn't give me the chance to go through every single race and all the detailed working out and algorithms I worked Phil, out. Let's do a blog on the website. So if <laughs> listeners want Actually, to read I could this, just copy and paste this, we yeah. could just have... Don't copy and paste it. To put some effort in, man. More effort. <laughs> put some more effort in. <laughs> I've, I've not included any of the times where Hamilton's fucked up. I've not included any of the times where he's been punted off by somebody else or where they crashed into each other. Only the reliability issues. Yeah. But that's Rosberg for you. He's consistent. He's lucky. consistently not plagued by reliability problems. Good on him. I, I sort of stand in the middle on this whole issue of, whoa, it's, it's Rosberg going to go or whatever. I'm pretty convinced that Hamilton has just been really blooming unlucky this season. Has there ever been a more worthy world champion? So you'll be able to find all uh, of Phil's workings on the blog from... From whenever I can be bothered to put it into some sort of readable thing, which will probably be at some point over this weekend. ff1s.com slash blog. So we'll move on from Alan's antiquated email to some more modern social media. So first up, we asked you what Hamilton's lacklustre performance means for the championship. With four races left and 33 points between Brittany and the Ham, who's going to win? As ever, the FF1S Facebook page was full of expert insight. Rick Bailey said Trump. Philip Morby said Remain. Mark Stokes actually gave us a real answer, saying Rosberg, unfortunately, is going to take a failure or DNF for that not to happen. Philip Morby agrees. 
after saying Romain. I now think Rosberg after the last race. Even if Hamilton wins all four, Rosberg can follow him home in second for three of them and third in the other and still win by two points. He just needs to keep his nose clean and hope none of the technical troubles hurt him. Remember in 2014, it was his car with the failures at Abu Dhabi. Has, has Hamilton fucked himself? Okay, well, so it's, a, it's a bit like when you're writing to a deadline and you think, I've got ages, so your deadline's there. Suddenly, there's four races left and you get that sinking feeling of going, oh, he's fucked it, he's not going to do it, is he? Hamilton, that is. Well, what's interesting now is that it's out of Hamilton's hands. As, as uh, Philip uh, very accurately says, even if Hamilton wins every race now, it's not up to him anymore. But, now here's the thing, we all hate Rosberg based on his actions, his demeanour and his personality. Mm -hmm. Do you think there are other drivers who feel the same way and who would... Actually, on a semi-serious question, I've always thought this. Like In Formula 1, you're there to win or to do as best as you can. But has there ever been an example, or can you ever think of when this could happen, where a driver, not for a team order, but would move out of the way to let a champion someone through like if someone's like oh my mate Jensen's behind and if he if he gets in front of me he'll win the championship uh, what about Timo Glock well there's a conspiracy <laughs> about Timo in the 2008 Brazilian Grand Prix I don't think that's true by but the that's way not I just thought it'd be funny but because I think that's why I'd be a terrible Formula 1 driver because I'd be there going oh god look it's Hamilton behind me oh bless he's had a hell of a time I let him through um, I think. I mean, I think it does happen sometimes. I mean, we saw in, I can't remember who it was now, in Japan there was some driver who didn't put up much of a, uh, much of a fight to let somebody pass him because he was in a faster car. I can't even it's remember Carlos Sainz, he was, was there it? going, I really enjoyed that Snapchat thing, Lewis. Go on, go on, mate. You're, you're all right. Maybe that was it then. Um, what was the question? The question is, I think someone's going to punt off Rosberg because they don't like him. Ooh. I don't know how popular he is or isn't in the thing because I don't think, from what I've understood, I don't think Hamilton's particularly popular because he sort of he doesn't really hang out with the other drivers. He just keeps himself to himself and like they hang the out. Snapchat. Come on, they don't Snapchat. hang out. They're not all oh, just. I, there. I like to think that you know Jensen and Alonso. It's not like a Formula One canteen where they just like, all right, do you want to sit here, nah, Jensen? I think some of them do. I think I think Ricardo and Verstappen play badminton together because they have to because they're being filmed by Red Bull TV. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> if you think somebody was going to sabotage. Rosberg's race who do you think it would be? Max Verstappen they've tangled several times this season yeah but he's tangled with everybody this is it he can, he can write it off as just being a feisty young ne'er-do-well Bottas you reckon? yeah why? because he's actually Finnish and he hates Rosberg for denying the Finnish flag a potential <laughs> world championship that's intriguing well we'll, we'll, wait, we'll wait and see we'll have to construct a justifiable reason whatever happens or Vettel Vettel and Bottas together because of the flag issue like Vettel well, wants to be the last German world champion before the apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> so let's finish off with a quick silly season update so Hulkenberg and Bottas are tipped for Renault if Williams don't take up their option for Bottas in 2017. So Renault are also apparently talking to Magnussen and Palmer as well as Esteban Ocon, who used to be their reserve driver. Ocon is also being courted by Force India if Hulkenberg goes and Stroll is tipped to replace Massa at Williams. First things first, Renault are definitely talking to Palmer but what they're doing is going, we need a driver for next year, Jocelyn. Can you think of anyone who can be the driver? Have you got any mates who've been around your dad's tracks who might be any good? 
I thought that um, Magnussen gave uh, Renault a two-week period that they had to tell him whether he was in or not. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, there's a lot of this because he's not been told what he's doing next year. He's flexing his tattooed arms. Has he got tattoos? He's got tattoos all over his Has arms. He? He's, he's, mm. do, you know they, do you know what they call him? Kevin Magnusson, because <laughs> that's his name. <laughs> no, he's getting annoyed. <laughs> saying, I need, you've got to have a season in two weeks. And right now, I'm just going, do you know what, Kevin? <laughs> fuck off <laughs> he's not really been good enough to be able to get away with that has yeah. he? if he'd been winning races from left right and center he might have a bit of clout to be exactly. able to do that so i think i think if i mean let's let's assume for just one second that renault do go for hulkenberg and bottas that's not a bad driver lineup is it renault have got shit loads of money and they've severe, been crap this year but severe lack of respect on the paddock because of their flip-flopping and we're leaving the sport we're not leaving the sport we're crashing on purpose we're not blah blah blah, blah. But they've got a lot of money, and they're going to, you know, and all the whole Red Bull stuff last year. Like their 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 assets are like low in terms of respect. But they've got a lot of money coming in, and they're on a long haul fight to come back to being a championship winning team, which they've done before. Which they've done before in relatively recent memory. And what they need to do is hire a couple of racers. Not they don't need the money. Magnussen brings a lot of money. They don't need the money. They've got Renault money. Mm. You know, all that France, all of yeah. France is Fra- funding loves, yeah. Renault. So, all those Twingos and Clios. Yeah, and so that's all they, so they need to cover races. Bottas is bored at Williams because, you know, he tried to go to Ferrari a couple of years ago and clearly he's regretting that now because Ferrari is so great. I, and won- I wonder if Bottas has just lost his motivation at Williams because God knows I have. Oh, yeah. God, Williams. <sighs> yeah, they, you're like, oh, maybe they'll be good. Oh, no, they're not. They're going to have another season where they're not as good as we thought they would be. But I wonder if Bottas went to Renault where there is that potential and there's much more recent history of success than at Williams. And Pat Simmons at Williams today, there's an article about him saying that the aerodynamic rules for next year, the differences in the speeds in the cars and the lap times is staggering. Is his they are word. really quick, I think. And the rules are so different, it, anyone could be the top team next year. It's anyone. Anyone. Well, that's within, within a small pool. <laughs> Formula One teams. <laughs> but only only some teams have been able to actually test. Only the really rich teams have been able to test the cars so far. It will be the richest team. Nobody's tested the cars yet. Uh, They've played with tyres. Yeah, they played with tyres on existing on existing cars. Or mule cars. cars. On what cars? Mule cars. No, I don't think they're even mule cars. They? I mean, they've, they're, had, they're, they've had mule cars. Well, they'll, they'll be called mule cars simply in the sense that they're the cars that are using that are testing the tyres, but they'll be existing Formula One cars. But with old, mules. Probably old ones. With mules. Yeah, well, they take the engines out and they put, like, donkeys, donkeys in. Mules. So the ones that have tested with the mules on, they are more likely to do better, and they're the rich teams that are doing well now, so maybe there isn't going to be such a big change. <gasps> I, I think that the I mean the tyres are going to be a big factor next year but there are so many other changes next year that I think just because you might have had a bit more time to study the tyres plus that data will be available to everyone so they'll only have the sort of there might be drivers who've had the seat of the pants experience but they'll have all that at pre-season testing anyway I don't Not Lewis though because he had a sore foot today That's only for the Pirelli test but yes Lewis has, foot, has hurt his foot and doesn't want to do any testing Did you see Rosberg's tweet where he sent a picture of the big tyre and then loads of laughing face emojis no. No. Well, I thought, you know, be serious. This is a serious sport. Okay, so tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake, or you can find us on Facebook, where we're FF1S, or you can email us, but nothing about sound quality, please, at wrong at FF1S.com. 
Right, so let's move on to the teams. And let me take you back to last weekend, the Japanese Grand Prix. Seems like quite a long time ago now. Barely remember what happened. Okay, so let's start with Mercedes. First of all, I'm going to give you a stat. Less than 50% of drivers that have started on pole in Japan have gone to win the race. Which, of course, Rosberg did. And it is what he does best. He had a good start and then stayed in front. Hamilton did what he does best, hung around in the starting grid, took some selfies and then drove off when they were on Instagram. What is going on? I really fell for Hamilton this week. He screwed up the start and on Monday, not 24 hours after the race, I had a driving lesson and I stored my car on quite a major junction. Oh, so you know how he felt? I did. It was like the start and then I had to start the car or there was something beeping at me and... My driving instructor wasn't getting pissed off, but you could tell he was annoyed, and I just wasn't wasn't in the game, man. So I went on the radio and said, "Sorry, guys." But uh, I I hate to point this out. You are a learner driver. You're not a Formula One driver. So therefore, I feel you can get away with the odd stall. I'm sorry, but it's true. Whereas Hamilton, (laughs) he really needs to be able to start. You know. Yes, he does. You put Hamilton on a busy junction on Shooters Hill Road on a Monday morning and you find out how bloody good he is. I mean, you, you could say, oh, he can do it at Suzuka, but can he do it on a rainy morning in Stoke? But, I mean, he can't do it at Suzuka. So, yeah, he's got no chance of uh, doing it on the Westway or wherever it was your driving lesson was. He, he screwed his entire race straight away and potentially his championship for reasons we've already discussed. Yeah. I mean, there was a whole talk about him being on the damp side of the grid and all this kind of stuff, but in the end... Is that, that's, I mean, that sounds like some sort of analogy for his current mental state Well, of the thing mind. is, this is why... I mean, I, I think we talked about this before, but this, this notion of, like, driverless racing series is coming up in the future, and we don't need drivers anymore, it's all going to be AI robots. It's this kind of thing. It's when someone is so freaking out about the start of their race and knowing how important it is that they choke it, Robots aren't going to choke. Damn Side of the Grid sounds like a concept album that we should record in tribute to Pink Floyd. What would be great is if you play it alongside the film Return to Oz. It exactly lines up with the... Shouldn't it be like uh, Rush? <laughs> no, it would be Fast and the Furious 5. Was that the good one? Which was the good I one? I was any of them. They all. I don't watch no, they, films they like were, that. The first one was like, oh, and then it was like, oh. And then there was one that was like, oh. Transport was a good film. Yeah, fighting in the oil. That was good. What do you think about Rosberg's performance? I thought it was very Woody Allen-like. <laughs> Let's move on to Ferrari. So, there was good driving and bad language from the Ferraris. Kimi Iceman Raikkonen had a strong qualifying, but spent most of the race head-to-head with the grinning Aussie, despite spending a bit of quality time on the grass in lap eight. And Vettel had an excellent start and may have made a tyre error and spent most of the race shouting about blue flags down the radio, but he came home and got on the podium. Now, do you think lapsed drivers need harsher punishments? I think we should get rid of blue flags. I don't like them. I don't want them there. I, I want the people who are carving through traffic to have to work to get past them. I don't think they should be uh, have to give up their positions. They don't have to do it in any other form of motorsport. It's only F1. So you think the traffic can... They don't have to move at all. They can totally get in the way of the drivers coming through. Yep, it's up to the drivers behind to get past them, I think. the Obviously, the downside and the reason the blue flags are there is because it's hard to overtake an F1, but this just goes back to the argument about how we should have less aero and it should be easier to overtake the idea either. But I, I fundamentally don't like the idea of blue flags. I agree in my kind of racing analysis brain, but 
let's put a hypothetical towards you, right? What if next year it's Houghton versus Verstappen for the championship and in the closing races of the season, Hamilton is trying to lap a Toro Rosso and they get Red Bull orders from on high saying, don't let Hamilton pass. There's no blue flags. Well, we've, we've been in this position before, haven't we? Which is how no. basically how DRS came in when it was at Abu Dhabi and I was, I was at the race it was Abu Dhabi where uh, was oh. it Alonso <laughs> Alonso got stuck behind Petrov or I mean, he wasn't lapping Petrov he was but it was I mean it might as well have been the similar thing and he couldn't get past him yeah no no it wouldn't be a similar thing because Petrov he couldn't get past him because he couldn't actually physically get past him with the Toro Rosso that you're lapping a blue flag says Toro Rosso get out of the way because you're being lapped whereas in this hypothetical situation where a Toro Rosso can hold up the championship contender whilst being lapped. Oh, I'm all right with that. Okay. Yeah. So you think, you think it would make it more exciting? I didn't say that. Because of the current state of Formula One cars, it might not necessarily work, but as, as a sort of general ethics and philosophy of what the rules should be, I don't like the idea that people should have to get out of the way for the leaders. I think they should they should prove their driving skills and be able to carve through traffic. Because back in the day, that was part of the skill. I do. I mean, I they're agree. With on, that. They're having their own race. That you know, the people at the back. Just because you're not in the top five or whatever, or you're a lap down, doesn't mean you're not charging as hard as your as as, as hard as your little crappy car. And I do. Can go. I do agree with that, and I and I really can't stand. And this weekend was especially bad. But the idea that they're all just going blue flag, blue flag on the radio, and it's just like it, it reminds me of of, of speedy borders. People who've paid their ten quid for their speedy boarding ticket on your budget airline, they're just they're just like, oh, get out of the way! I'm a speedy boarder. I get to go on first. You peeps have to sit there. Mm. I always have a weird thing with that. Right, so I've never paid for speedy boarding. I usually right? do, so I am one of those bastards. Fuck you, but, yeah. no. Fuck you Trotsky. Of course you are. Um, <laughs> it's, it's Tromans, actually. <laughs> but if you're the last person on the speedy boarding queue, is your money wasted? Actually, in fairness, several times I've had a speedy boarding. And they said, okay, we'd like these speedy border people to come up and uh, get on the plane. And I pick up my bag. And before I've even got out of my seat, okay, now everybody else can get on the plane. And yeah. thus rendering it entirely pointless. So let's talk about the fact that Vettel went on to softs at the end. Ferrari have been rubbish with their strategy this year. It's like, well, they've been rubbish with a lot of things. But it seems to me Ferrari's strategy idea is someone going, it's, it's either A or B. I think if I say A, I'm going to get in trouble, it's B. So you think it was just a last-minute decision? It wasn't. There was no real strategy in it? There's no one making decisions in Ferrari. That's the main thing. No one is making a decision. They're all just going, oh, um, Franco said B. I just wonder if he, if they were like, oh, he's run out of tyres, put some tyres on. Well, there's that as well. It could, just, could have just been a practical notion. So they I just think, went, like, we could just go for it and you never know. I think there was a chance he could have beat Hamilton, but not really. Should we start um, some rumours? Oh, okay. Was it deliberate by Ferrari to sabotage Vettel because Arriva Benny's fallen out with him and they want him gone? Whoa. <sighs> did, you not, did you not hear that Arriva Benny had a go, well, was perceived to have had a go at Vettel in the press where he said he needed to earn his place for next year? Meow. I know. Well, can you earn your place next year, Maurizio, by not just being a tobacco salesman and being a race winner? He's so cool, though. He's like a 70s team, love him. team I principal. Love him. Isn't he great? You know if he turned up at my house and said, Terry, I'm your dad, I'd be like, I'm, good. I'm cool with that. That's fine. <laughs> I don't see I much judge. of the family resemblance. That's how I judge most men. You know, dad. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Williams. 
Williams, the team that have nine Constructors' Championships, last weekend hung their heads in shames as Hamilton, Red Bull, Ferrari, then Force India cruised past them. They had a different strategy to everyone else, but both came home in the points. Now, was it a strategy error or a rubbish car? It was a strategy car or a rubbish error. I mean, they they did better than they qualified, so that's got to be a win for them at the moment. I know, but it's so uninspiring, isn't it? Yes. On the same week where they announced their financial results, they've made a profit. You're like, do you know what? Spend that profit on winning a fucking race. Well, I mean, I'm sure they've given up now and they're just working on next year's car, so they're just playing out the rest of the season. I can't really think of anything to say about Williams. Just 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 move on. Okay, let's move on to Red Bull. Now, Verstappen may have pissed people off again, but he had a really excellent race. And Ricardo, though he was held back by Hamilton at the beginning, was battling with Raikkonen for fifth until he had a bad pit. On the plus side, we didn't have to see his lack of table manners on the podium, though. Do you think Red Bull will be pleased with that result? Yep. Yep. Second was good. He did well. He did. He had, he had a bit of a dodgy move with Hamilton. I mean, I don't think it was worthy of a steward's inquiry, but I think it was a bit of a. Well, it was. It, it didn't get a steward's inquiry, didn't it? There was because of Hamilton being like Hamilton was like. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about Hamilton being stroppy this weekend, but when Mercedes apparently put in a bit of a protest about Verstappen's uh, move, Hamilton was like, uh, "No, it's fine." Well, wait till Hamilton loses the championship by two points, and then go. You know, you could have had those two points back. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but how many races is this now where Verstappen has Three done or four better? where he's done a bit of a move in the braking. Obviously, zone. Ricardo's had a win in the, in the middle of those, but he's... No, I mean, I was talking about how, how Verstappen has done really well. He's, he's started now more regularly to out-qualify Ricardo. Oh, he's and although, good. Or Ricardo won, won the I've race the other week, but Verstappen is, is starting to look better than he did before, I think. Yeah. I heard that he's uh, had a chat with FIA technical director... Charlie Whiting to been taken aside had words with taken aside I've been told off for his dodgy driving I haven't really had much of an issue with any of his driving I well you're not the one in the braking zone are you no I, I mean yeah, it was a little bit borderline but as long as you comply with the rules I think it's alright and also, anyone that goes on uh, goes on at that chicane just reminds me of uh, Senna and Prost. That is a, such a nostalgic chicane. There should be like a stat. There should be a big bronze statue there, like a massive, heavy, immovable statue. Padded. Padded statue. <laughs> That'll make him slow down. <laughs> okay, Force India. Now in Japan, Force India literally said "see you later" to Williams as they zoomed to ten points ahead. It was a great weekend for the underdogs, who kicked the other dogs up the ass. Force India are doing ridiculously well right now, but next year is such a big rule change. It's got to be the money teams that do well. It's got to be. Why isn't Perez getting offered? Because he's. He, is, he was doing much better earlier on this Yeah, season. he only does well because he doesn't change his bloody tyres. Everyone's sick of it. Everyone's like, oh, God, Perez is doing his magic trick again. Yeah, it's in your pocket. All right, Grandad. But it's working. Nine of clubs. McLaren. Now, we were on Honda's home soil, so they were out to impress, especially with their updated power unit. However, it turned out that cars didn't really get on with Suzuka, and what could have been a race to remember turned into a massive fucking disappointment. They spent most of the time at the back of the field watching the juveniles speed off into the distance. 
Now, the team knew that Japan wasn't going to be an easy race, but do you think they had any idea that it was going to be this bad? Surely, if you're designing a Formula One team and you have a circuit on the Canada that you own, you would maybe go, let's just fudge it a bit so we do well at our yeah. race. Even if it's just cutting a corner that all the other drivers have to drive around. I can't remember Honda. now. How did, how did Red Bull do it in Austria at the Red Bull ring? Pretty well. They did all right, didn't they? They at least got in the points. They and weren't it, ashamed. They weren't ashamed. They didn't finish 16th and 18th. That's for down two. Suzuka might as well be called the Honda ring because they've owned it for ages. Have they done much worse than this? Last year, <laughs> yes. much worse. No, I mean, I mean this year in, in any race. No, it's like they've been doing it's quite well the last few pretty races. Awful they've as really well. done and for good. Jensen's last, uh, or potentially last, Japanese, uh, Japanese Grand, Grand, Prix. Grand Prix. He's very famous in Japan, big yeah. in Japan. He's big in Japan. He's like shampoo. <laughs> what? The band shampoo. Oh, the band they're shampoo. Still, they're yeah, still yeah. big in Japan. Oh, they, I mean, they're, they're big in the Troman's household as well. Uh-oh, we're, we're in trouble. trouble. Something's coming along and it's burst our bubble. Yeah, yeah. Uh-oh. In an interview, Alonso said, our race today... Well, I don't know, actually. Do you want to do an impression? Oh, okay, sorry, yeah, yeah. Our race today reflected the whole weekend. It was just anonymous. Anonymous. You yeah, know. it's not that anonymous Basically. when your car's painted with your name <laughs> yeah. in big letters. Disappointment all round for McLaren. Okay, let's talk about Hayes. Hayes. It has been a race of swings and roundabouts for the US team. Grosjean. It has to be you. <laughs> Can't be swings it and roundabouts if, if it's a US team because they don't call them roundabouts. Swings and crossroads. Oh, no, they call them. No, they don't call them crossroads. They you call can't them. Say that if you don't know the answer. No, I do know because I accidentally they sent my phone on American they and polygamy. they call them rotaries. <laughs> they call them rotaries. It's a game of swings and rotaries. rotaries. Polygamy and rotaries. Americans call roundabouts rotaries because they only have like five of them and they don't know what they're called. Gosh. Okay. But isn't it roundabouts like, like swings and roundabouts like the thing you get on in a park in a do playground? They ever, do they even call them swings? Swings. What else are you going to call them? Well, I don't know. What else would you call roundabouts? Apparently, rotaries. Well, Anti-god plastic thing, ropes. The thing in the um, the playground, the the thing that goes round. They might call that a roundabout. The freedom wire. Anyway, Grosjean drove well and made Williams sweat, but didn't come home with the points I feel that he deserved. And Gutierrez had a great start and then smacked into signs. Did you think that after qualifying in 11th, we might possibly see Grosjean in the points? I've just given up on Haas. They're just pissing me off. They did <laughs> so well at the start of this year. And then we had a mid, mid-year where we kind of gone, well, the start was a bit lucky, but you know they've settled into equilibrium. And now they're just, let's face it, shit. What a waste of money. 11th is not shit. Uh, it's shitter than 10th. <laughs> Hang on, they, they both, I think for the first time, got into Q3 in qualifying. So, yeah, I mean, they've got to be they've got qualifying because I was in a market, so I don't, that doesn't I was ca- in a care. foreign country using all sorts of jiggery pokery to actually watch the race in an in entirely legal fashion, lawyers. Uh, no lawyers listen to this. <laughs> all right, yeah, no, I, I jerry rigged something up to watch in English, but they clearly didn't have a very good race. The fact that they got into the top 10 yeah, in, in qualifying is, is very impressive. They were basically the fifth team. Yeah, but then they finished 11th and 20th. Renault. So it was another week of not seeing much of what Renault were up to during the race. I swear, there's, the TV never has them on it. But we know that they may not have got the points, but they didn't disappoint their families coming home in 12th and 14th. However, Palmer did piss Hamilton off by getting in his way. 
Mercedes tweeted, thanks for shifting, Mr. Renault. We'll remember that one, which I think sounds like a pretty big threat. I'm getting a bit pissed off with team social media accounts. It's a bit like, oh, we're trying to be funny, but we also hate you. It's like, I, they don't have the authority to do a threat. Like, it, can you imagine if the social media guy came from the office in Brackley, flew to Japan, got into the pit ward and went, um, I've just issued a threat on Twitter, <laughs> so we're going to have to do something. Toto Wolf is going to be like, who the fuck are you? Fuck off, Twitter boy. Yeah, but otherwise social media would or be girl. like, um, really good drive here today. I'd like to see the people doing social media actually being the spokespeople for the teams on race day on the TV. So they literally just cut live to somebody from Mercedes going, thanks for shifting, Mr. Renault. Not just sort of t- typing it anonymously on a BlackBerry somewhere. Yeah. No, not BlackBerry anymore. They don't sponsor Mercedes anymore. Don't they? No. Who's, who's Mercedes' official communication partner now? Uh, Snapchat. <laughs> Toro Rosso. Okay, so things look good for Sainz and Terry's Russian soft spot Kvyat at the beginning of the race until Sainz declared war on Alonso and ran off the track and Kvyat tried to be aggressive but was another victim of traffic. Now, there has been a bit of a turnaround. Do you think that Kvyat is getting better or maybe Sainz is getting worse? Both. Yeah, it could be a bit of both. I wonder if maybe Kvyat's got sort of used to his now lowly position is just like ah I'll just get on with it I think it's an interesting psychological question Kvyat was publicly humiliated by being dumped from Red Bull to go to Toro Rosso but at the same time Signs and he talked about it in an interview this week Signs has basically revealed how it hurts to be told that your teammate's getting the job to go to Red Bull but you're not which is almost as bad so they must have both just (laughs) for a few months they must have both been in the Toro Rosso motorhome being like no, I'm I'm shitter than you. <laughs> I no, 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 even, you're great. I'm really it shit. It must be even worse for because at least science was getting the best of, better of it to start with, and now he's not always getting the better of it. I mean, as a slight aside, where does science go from here? Because let's face it, there's no seats at Red Bull coming up anytime soon. No. Where, what? Where do you think he will go? Any prediction? If you had to predict, it's a cliche, but I think it's fairly obvious that a Toro Rosso driver, when there's no seats at Red Bull, will go to Formula E. So we won't be seeing science next year. Well, particularly as quite a lot more teams are signing up for Formula E now. Mercedes have just announced that they've got an option to go into Formula E from 2018. Lewis Hamilton. Maybe. Maybe, he's, maybe if he doesn't win the championship. What Lewis a great Hamilton. idea. No, if, I think Hamilton, if anything, Hamilton's too good to go into Formula E. Sorry, Formula E, guys. Um, he'd go into a World Endurance Championship. But or, you could uh, have fan Snapchat boost. God. Live in car so ears. Whoever gets them, yeah, suddenly ears spout Snapchat. out their helmets or out the car or something. Manor. So it was a pretty heated race of Manor against each other. But on the plus side, they both finished. Now, I keep hearing people say that they're a good match. But what does this mean? And do you agree? I don't know what it means. And therefore, I can offer no opinion on whether or not I agree. I think it means both of these drivers are really good and they will both be Formula 1 champions in the same year. Verline is not good. Whoa. Verline has a very good reputation. Verline was the German touring car so champion. Sexy. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, really being talked about, it's being talked about as a potential replacement for Rosberg. But I have to say, Ocon has been doing really well yeah. in the last few races. He's got a terrible car, so he's never going to climb particularly hover up the grid. But I still, I think I briefly talked about it last week. The, the start he had in wherever the hell it was, Malaysia, 
when everyone was talking about how great Alonso star was for the back and Ocon was ahead of him all the way climbing yeah. up like 10 places Big fan. And, and again he's beaten Verlein by 20 odd seconds this these race these two guys Ocon is are going to be top of the grid in a couple and of years and if Ocon does get taken up by Renault as we suggested earlier because he has ties there ooh, he could be could be could be the next Scott Speed <laughs> okay, so finally, let's talk about Sauber. So remembering that we're recording this on Thursday and the race was on Sunday, I can't really remember what Sauber got up to, other than they were both on a one-stop strategy and neither did very well. Have you got anything better that you can remember from the weekend? I have in front of me got the quite detailed Motorsport magazine report from the Japanese Grand Prix, written by Mark Hughes. It goes into a lot of stuff in a lot of detail. I've just done Control F to find Sauber, and there is one mention of Sauber to say that they qualified a tenth apart ahead of the Manners, and that is about all I remember of them from the race. So they weren't as slow as the Manners, but still pretty terrible. Their cars are blue and yellow. All of which leads us to the standings with Terry Saunders. Okay, this week, uh, Lewis Alton with his social networks has dominated the headlines so i have decided to do the driver's championship this week is with watch with which social network each driver belongs to so nico rosberg is obviously in the lead with um 213 points he's clearly linked in very business-like doesn't give a shit quite annoying second place lewis Hamilton, snapchat third place daniel ricardo is on a specialist food a foot fetish dating website <laughs> Oh, please let me drink from your sweaty shoe. <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen has never used a phone. He likes his PA to write him a letter. Um, Max Verstappen's on Bebo. I understand that's what the kids use. Sebastian Vettel, he's a fan of Facebook because there's lots of blue flags. Um, <laughs> Valtteri Bottas, just going to guess. Put it out there. Secret Tinder user. Just got married, but you know, don't trust him. Sergio Perez, writeofprisoner.com. But... By this, I should say, I was, I was on Wikipedia and it was getting desperate. Um, Mika Holkenberg, Google Plus, remember them. Uh, Felipe Massa, Friendster, big in Brazil. Fernando Alonso, he's on Twitter because he does lots of little kind of radio bursts, sarcastic radio bursts. That if you, if it, honestly, I've done the research, unlike Phil with his actual research, all of his, all of his sarky radio things are under 140 characters. Um... Carlos Sainz is on Live Journal because he's really moody. Uh, Roman Grosjean, Tumblr. Daniel Cavilla is on Friends Reunited. He just <laughs> keeps looking up all the people that work at Red Bull and be like, hi guys. <laughs> Do you think he probably hasn't realised that Friends Reunited isn't there anymore, much <laughs> like perhaps his career? Jensen Button's on MySpace because he's old. Um, <laughs> I met my wife on MySpace. Kevin Magnuson is on Instagram because of his tattoos. Uh, Jocelyn Palmer is on Ancestry.com so we can work out how he got a Formula One career. <laughs> Pascal Verlein is on Grinder, hopefully. <laughs> and Stoffer is on Stofferoffle. It's his own network, which has got a range of t-shirts coming soon. As with the constructors, now, we know that Mercedes this week have... I mean, for a follow-on podcast, we haven't mentioned that they've won the championship. But they won the championship, so... Obviously, oh yeah, well, well done, well done there. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> obviously, We Are The Champions is a song they'll be playing a lot. So I thought, what if... The rest of the teams were also tracks off Queen's Greatest Hits. <laughs> so in second place, Red Bull, Don't Stop Me Now. In third place, Ferrari, Save Me. Fourth place, Force India, Now I'm Here, Won't Be Next Year. Uh, in fifth, Williams, Another One Bites the Dust. McLaren, We Will Rock You, We'll Have a Podium by Spain. Toro Rosso, Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Uh, Haas, With Flash. 
Flash. Flash. <laughs> Flash. And Renault with Bicycle Race. No idea why. And Mana, good old-fashioned lover boy. Pascal, if you're free, I'm, I'm ready for a drink. And staying with Terry Saunders, please can we have a state of F1? Okay, this week I'm angry. It's time to take umbrage. I'm fed up with the media in Formula One. Last week, Lewis Hamilton walked out of a press conference because of another press conference where he'd, where he'd used Snapchat, and then the media backlash forced him to work out of the aforementioned previous press conference. <laughs> it's not quite Dylan Goes Electric, but Lewis going Snapchat has caused Guardian writer Barry Glendinning to pen an article quote article stating exactly why he hates Lewis Hamilton and it's not because he's black okay <laughs> I quote from the beginning of the article um, Hamilton wild away the time uploading videos of himself and fellow driver Carlos signs on snapchat embellishing them with cartoon ears noses and whiskers <laughs> Lewis Hamilton is 31 years old <laughs> What a cunty thing to put on an article <laughs> that Lewis Hamilton is 31. I'm 36 and I am far more childish and I'm not sure how that's relevant. But I for one think that Lewis Hamilton should be applauded for being in his 30s and understanding what the fuck Snapchat is. <laughs> the article carries on. Uh, it's difficult to imagine the legends of the sport such as Ayrton Senna ever having behaved in such a fashion. Oh, apart from that time he punched Eddie Irvine for not letting him through. An action which paradoxically I'm against but also wish would happen more. <laughs> Ayrton Senna was uh, 33 years old at the time. Or maybe when he was very mature and hit some strong-smelling cheese in Gerhard Berger's hotel room as a practical joke. That was when Ayrton Senna was 31. Oh, what a, what a role model. More of the article. Uh, despite being prone to brooding introspection, temper tantrums and sulks as Hamilton, one can't help but feel that even if the Brazilian had decided to amuse himself during media assassinations by, say, drawing Hitler moustaches and glasses on newspaper photographs of Alain Prost. Hitler? <laughs> Where the fuck do we get Hitler from? Unless I've totally misread history, Hitler wasn't a man with cartoon ears, noses and whiskers. Look, if Senna had drawn Hitler moustaches on Prost, then that would have been noted at the time. But no, uh, he would have almost certainly have showcased the resulting doodles with more of a flourish and a modicum of width of Hamilton. And let's just go from the famous Senna quote. If you no longer put a Hitler moustache in a gap that exists between a nose and a lip, you are no longer a racing driver. I'm not going to defend every action Lewis Hamilton does, but for millions of followers on Snapchat who got to see Lewis Hamilton doodling around, he removed another wall between Formula One and the people who pay its wages. F1 commentary conducts itself in a manner of a sport that believes the old days were better, but when the stars had character and wit, but they wrap it in the bewildering mystery that whenever a modern driver shows any kind of character, they're attacked. Lewis got pissed off with them all. Good on him. Fuck everything. <laughs> I don't have a solution. So, well, I mean, your, it sounds like your solution is more Snapchat. Yeah, why not? Th Considering we don't understand what it is. What's wrong with him being on his bloody phone? But what about the argument that he, he's a professional and he should give a bit of time to the journalist, even if it is a bit boring? How much... Have you seen how much they have to give to journalists? And have you seen how... I mean, OK, there are a lot of journalists in Formula One who need to earn a living. I know you're a journalist, Phil, but come on. Also, Phil, since when has the state of F1 been a debate? Terry says what he thinks, and we agree. Good point. So that's it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. Uh, we haven't had time to talk about Mark Webber, who is retiring from racing after leaving F1 and going to the World Endurance Championship. 
and I think he won it. Yeah, he won it. He didn't win Le Mans, but he won the WEC, and now he's retiring from racing. And goodbye to Terry Saunders. Every fucking week, I forget to do a thing that we haven't talked about, and I have to think of something last minute. Today, I was on my computer, and I saw the, the news that Mark Webber had retired from <laughs> racing, and I thought, do you know what? That's the thing I'm going to use tonight for the thing we haven't talked about. And I get onto the Google Doc, and I see that Phil has beaten me to it. But do you know what? We haven't had a chance to talk about Mark Webber retiring from racing. Oh, that's a shame. What's he, what's he done in his career? Refuse to drink out of a shoe. That's what he's going to be remembered for. There'll be a statue of Daniel Ricciardo and then just Mark Webber behind going, nah, mate. So we'll be back next week for the American Grand Prix. And until then, don't forget to rate us on iTunes, tell your friends about the show and start saving for that T-shirt. Maybe several T-shirts. They make probably make great Christmas presents once we've created them. We're all getting T-shirts for Christmas. <laughs> I've been Chikrez. Goodbye. Bye. Podcast Network.